Welcome to Living Water Radio. Something is going to happen in churches all over the world this Sunday that only happens once a year, and it's going to endanger our sanity. Today, we're going to find out what it is. My name is Pastor David Burkettall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is an ordained minister actively focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, I'm filling in temporarily for pastors in the Los Angeles area, maintaining our yard as my gym, and I'm attempting to learn Mandarin Chinese. We are retired clergy and have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience between the two of us. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. It's been said that we only need two tools. If it moves and it shouldn't, duct tape. If it doesn't move and it should, WD-40. Or if you're old school and you want it to move, or you want it to move faster and you don't need those fancy aerosol cans, three-in-one oil. Before we had those fancy gasoline-powered lawnmowers or the eco-friendlier electric ones, we used our muscle-powered manual mowers, and they moved efficiently with three-in-one oil. When we wanted our bicycles to fly like rockets, three-in-one oil. When things got rusty and wouldn't move, three-in-one oil. Hedge clippers, bolts, pruners, bicycle chains, locks, adjustable wrenches, almost anything that turned and could rust was made more efficient by 3-in-1 oil. It's been made since 1894, and you can still buy it. It's one of the, if not the most masculine smells I know. If you could make a cologne out of it, I think you'd have something. The container says that it frees rusted parts, prevents rust, and lubricates. And yet it comes in one four-ounce container. It's just one oil, three in one. Get it? So, does that make it a good way to describe the Holy Trinity? Well, sort of, but no. This coming Sunday is Holy Trinity Sunday. It's the only Sunday in the church year whose theme is not an event, but a doctrine. That might sound pretty dry, except... For the blood spilled, the churches divided, and the arguments that have consumed people's lives trying to define what the Holy Trinity means. So if that still sounds dry, maybe we need a little spiritual three-in-one oil. There's nowhere in the Bible that says there's a Trinity, and yet the evidence is found from its beginning to its end. Sometimes all three persons are manifest at the same place and time, as in Jesus' baptism. Jesus came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested on him. A voice spoke from heaven, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. In Matthew three thirteen through 17 There is the doctrine of the Trinity, one God in three persons, each of which is fully God. So, how many gods do we believe in? One, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wait, that's three. How can one be three? Or or is that how can three be one? Is your sanity feeling a bit endangered? Sometimes they are all described, and sometimes just one person is present, but all are present in that one. All three persons in the Trinity are in play when Jesus says in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, 
Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. If someone were to ask what our true self was, we might say it is our spirit, or our soul, or our heart, or our personality. But in the time that the Bible was written, it was in a name. God does not have a name, because knowing God's name would be to know God's true self, and that's inconceivable. Baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit means to do so in the true self of God. Does this make who the Trinity is any clearer? No. Martin Luther, the 16th century church reformer, once said, To try to deny the Trinity is to endanger your salvation. To try to comprehend the Trinity is to endanger your sanity. Is your sanity feeling a bit endangered yet? I'd say it's pretty much impossible to describe the Holy Trinity without slipping into heresy. The whole idea of heresy brings to mind the bad old days of torture, war, and hypocrisy, right? Yet, it also points to a time when the truth mattered, when it was literally a matter of life and death, not just for this world, but for eternity. The Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed that are central to the Christian faith that ended much of the Church's fighting over doctrine by setting down the central things that the Bible teaches are both based on the structure of the Trinity. The Athanasian Creed, a third creed, is very long and rarely used in public worship, but it has some of the best language focused on the meaning of the Holy Trinity. Remember St. Nicholas, the guy called Santa Claus in many cultures? He wears a red robe because St. Nicholas was a bishop when the Nicene Creed was being written. The essence of the Christian faith was being decided, and things got so heated that good old Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, is alleged to have smacked another bishop, Arius, over his heretical beliefs regarding the Trinity. Muslim evangelists in Christian areas sometimes accuse Christians of believing in three gods, not one. Our Bible reading from Matthew 28 for today describes one of Jesus' post-resurrection appearances to his disciples. It says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. First of all, how could they doubt him? They had seen him die. They had seen him do miracles. They had seen him dead. They had seen his side pierced with a spear and the water from the by then separated plasma flow out. They had seen his legs broken, they had seen his burial, and he had appeared to them on the evening of the third day. Some doubted, yet they worshipped him. How could that be? And what does it tell us about sharing the gospel in an increasingly secular age? What is the good news we have in a time when people continue to be personally isolated and estranged and, I believe, are hungry for the transcendent reality and the real community that God gives through the church? Pastor Will Willimon is a Methodist pastor who has also been a seminary professor, a university chaplain, the Methodist equivalent of a bishop, and is a fine preacher. 
He tells the story of a young woman who was a member of a congregation that he served who made an appointment to see him during the week. She came by his office and said, Pastor Willeman, I just wanted to say that I won't be coming to church anymore. I've been struggling with my faith for a while, and I just realized that I can't do it anymore. I appreciate everything that you and the church members have done for me, and I didn't want to just drift away. I just came to say goodbye. Pastor Willeman tried to address her struggles, and he encouraged her to continue, but she was having none of it. And the next Sunday, she was back at worship. And the Sunday after that, and the Sunday after that. Finally, Pastor Willeman asked her if she could stop by his office again, and she agreed. Pastor Willeman said, Aren't you the same person who came by and said that she no longer had faith and wouldn't be coming to worship anymore? She smiled and said, Yes. Well, then I'm happy to see you, but could you tell me what happened, he said. Well, she answered, It came to me that sometimes, if you can't believe for yourself, you have to be with people who will believe for you. That's the nature of the Christian community. So, when people tell me that they are having doubts, I ask them to be consistent in their doubting and to question their doubts as well, to doubt their doubts. But how do people first come to believe? According to the Barna Group, 94% of people who come to Christ do so before their 18th birthday. Study after study has shown that 80-85% to 85% of all people who come to Christ do so because of the influence of a friend or a relative. Each of us has a story of how we became a Christian or why we remain a Christian. How does the doctrine of the Trinity help us be better evangelists for our faith in Jesus? We believe in one God. We speak of God, the Father or Creator, God the Son or Redeemer, and God the Holy Spirit or the Sanctifier, the one who makes us holy. One God in three persons, the Holy Trinity. How do we illustrate that? A shamrock, a triangle, ice water in a glass, one man who is a father, husband, son, or one woman who is a mother, wife, and daughter are all things I've used to point to the Trinity. And here are three that I haven't. An egg, shell, white, and yolk, the sun, star, heat, and light, and the three layers of an apple. Each one of them is inadequate. Some border on heresy and some cross that border. I saw a meme that showed a triangle that connected corners named liquid pitcher and ice to each other and to a circle in the middle. It said that connecting the liquid, the pitcher, and the ice doesn't describe the Trinity. It describes the Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah! Water in a glass can be useful in another way, however. Is the glass half empty or half full? Of course, most of us are going to say half full because the psychology of our culture says that's the way we are supposed to see it, that people who see it as half full are more goal-oriented, optimistic, positive, and successful than people who see it as half empty. Who wants to be Eeyore? But is there another way that the water in the glass can be described that is not so either-or? I would say that the glass is 100% full. It's half water and half air, but it's 100% full. That's a bit like what the Trinity is. It's present, it's active, but it's not obvious. It takes a special way of seeing that is the work of the Trinity itself in the Holy Spirit. And we are called to share that true presence with all whom we can reach. Why is the Holy Trinity important? 
Well, I think that we would agree that it's important both to understand what we believe and to know that the things we believe are true. Practically speaking, what we believe about the Trinity in the abstract has a major effect on how we actually relate to God. For example, sometimes you'll hear people say, I love Jesus. He's so accepting and forgiving, so non-judgmental. But I have a hard time with God in the Old Testament. He seems so judgmental, so intolerant, and so punishing. The thing about the Trinity is that they are exactly the same. God the Son is God the Father, is God the Holy Spirit, is God the Son, and round and round. We believe in one God who is three persons, and yet each is fully God. How can God be one and three at the same time? Is your sanity feeling a bit endangered yet? God is like three-in-one oil. When our hearts are hard against God, God will penetrate our resistance and set us free. When the rust of sin has kept us from being what we were created to be, God gives God's self on the cross so that we have what we were created to have in a living relationship with the one true living God and receive the forgiveness that only God can give. When we need protection from the corrosion of sin, death, and the power of the devil, we repent and open our heart to receive God. God abides with us, and nothing will take us away from God. But God isn't three oils making one oil, or three purposes accomplished in the same thing, or three solutions to similar problems. God is one. God is one in three persons, each fully God. We know this because it has been revealed to us through God's Word. If we could understand the reality of God, it wouldn't be God. All we can know is what God has revealed to us, and God has revealed God in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Perhaps the best way to encounter the Holy Trinity is to live in the name that is the living reality of God as Jesus instructed his followers. To pray, to read your Bible, to worship, to serve others, to be ready to defend the hope that is within you, and sometimes to go on offense. It is to go make disciples, teach, baptize, and remember. To go from being an attractional church to being a missional church, from providing programs to asking people in the community how we can serve them, from being a hospital for sinners to being paramedics going out to where the broken people are. We see all these things and more in the Holy Trinity. Is your sanity feeling a bit endangered? The good news is that of all the options open to us, God gives us the sanest way to live in the name of the one true living God, and it is revealed by God's grace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated, to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. 
Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Avoid crowds if you can. And be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.